Chapter 3 of The Turn of the Tide This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Holly Robinson The Turn of the Tide by Eleanor H. Porter Chapter 3 Scarcely had Houghtonsville recovered from its first shock of glad surprise at Margaret's safe return, when it had shaken again to its very centre by the news of Mrs. Kendall's engagement to Dr. Spencer. The old Kendall estate had been for more than a generation the show-place of the town. Even during the years immediately following the loss of little Margaret, when the great stone lions on each side of the steps had kept guard over closed doors and shuttered windows, even then the place was pointed out to strangers for its beauty, as well as for the tragedy that had so recently made it a living tomb to its mistress. Sometimes, though not often, a glimpse might be caught of a slender, black-robed woman, and always there could be seen the one unshuttered window on the second floor. Everyone knew the story of that window, and of the sunlit room beyond, where lay the little woolly dog just as the baby hands had dropped it their years before. And everyone knew that the black-robed woman, widow of Frank Kendall and mother of the lost little girl, was grieving her heart out in the great lonely house. Not until the last two years of Margaret's absence had there come a change, and then it was so gradual that the townspeople scarcely noticed it. Little by little, however, the air of gloom left the house. One by one the blinds were thrown open to the sunlight, and more and more frequently Mrs. Kendall was seen walking in the garden, or even upon the street. Not until the news of the engagement had come, however, did Houghtonsville people realize the doctor's part in all of this. Then they understood. It was he who had administered to her diseased body, and still more diseased mind. He who had roused her from her apathy of despair, and he who had taught her that the world was full of other griefs, even as bitter as her own. Not twenty-four hours after the news of the engagement became public property, old Nathan, town gossip, and driver-in-chief to a generation of physicians, Dr. Spencer included, observed triumphantly, "'And I ain't a mite surprised, neither. It's a good thing, too. They are just suited to each other. Ain't they be traipsin' all over town together in a ridin' war, twas too fur to foot it?' To be sure, they allers went to someone's I was sick, and allers took jellies and things to eat and read. But I had eyes, and I ain't a fool. She done good, though. Heaps of it. And taint no wonder the doctor fell head over heels in love with her. And thar was the little gal, too. Didn't he go twice to New York a-hunting for her? And wa'n't it through him that they finally got her? "'Course twas. Twas him that told Miss Kendall about that ere Mont Lawn war they send them poor little city kids ter get a breath of fresh air. And twas him that sent on the twenty-one dollars for her, so she could name a bed for the little Margaret. And twas him that at last went ter New York, and fetched her home. Gory twas allers him. Thar want no way out of it, I say. They just had ter get engaged.' It was not long before the most of Houghtonsville, in sentiment if not in words, came to old Nathan's opinion. This prospective marriage was an ideal arrangement, after all, and not in the least surprising. 
There remained now only the pleasant talk of making the wedding a joyful affair, befitting the traditions of the town, and of the honoured name of Kendall. In all Hewtonsville, perhaps, there was only one heart that did not beat in sympathy, and that one, strangely enough, belonged to Mrs. Kendall's own daughter Margaret. "'You mean you are going to marry him, and that he'll be your husband for—for for keeps?' Margaret demanded with some agitation when her mother told her of the engagement. Mrs. Kendall smiled. The red mounted to her cheeks. "'Yes, dear,' she said. "'And he'll live here? With us?' Margaret's voice was growing in horror. "'Why, yes, dear,' murmured Mrs. Kendall. Then quizzically, "'Why, sweetheart, what's the matter? Don't you like Dr. Spencer?' It was only last week that you were begging me to ask someone here to live with us. Margaret frowned anxiously. But, Mother dear, that was poor folks, she explained, her eyes troubled. Dr. Spencer ain't that kind, you know. You, you said he'd be a husband. Yes? And, and husband's mother, broke off the little girl, her voice sharp with anguished love and terror. He shan't come here to beat you and bang you around. He just shan't. Beat me? gasped Miss Kendall. Margaret, what in the world are you thinking of to say such a thing as that? Margaret almost crying now. The old hunted look had come back to her eyes, and her face looked suddenly pinched and old. She came close to her mother's side and caught the soft folds of her mother's dress in cold, shaking fingers. But they do do it, all of them she warned frenziedly. Tim Sullivan and Mr. Whalen and Patty's father, there was all husbands, every one of em, and there wasn't one of em but what beat their wives and banged em round. You don't know, you hain't seen em, maybe, but they do do it, mother, they do do it. For a moment Mrs. Kendall stared speechlessly into the young old face before her. Then she caught the little girl in her arms. You poor little dear, she choked. You poor, forlorn little bunch of misguided pessimism. Come, let me tell you how really good and kind and gentle the doctor is. Beat me, indeed. Oh, Margaret, Margaret. End of chapter 3